Bonus Episode 2, Fundamental Taoist Action. Welcome to Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast that explores how ancient wisdom, a practical perspective, and deep truth can empower you to live your best life. In this episode, Taoist Master Michael Steenrod describes the true meaning of not doing and asks, what would you do if you had no goal? So if we deal with not doing, that's a good one to work with because it's fundamental uh, in a lot of Taoist conversation. And the reason it's fundamental in Taoist conversation is that there are basically two different divisions in practice when it comes to not doing. Uh, Not doing should be an automatic practice, meaning that you don't have to make any effort to not do uh, things as you go along. It's an outgrowth, actually, of meditative practice and of uh, mind training. Uh, so you automatically start to do that simply as you start to meditate uh, in consistently large chunks. Uh, to do it intellectually, where you have to simulate it because, well, uh, so I need to apply not doing here, can certainly be done. It's just vastly more effort. Uh, and uh, the breakdown of it is to ultimately try to have the action be a natural outgrowth of what you are. Uh, And uh, without meditation, that can be accomplished just by calm. Uh, There are, it's basically two different divisions, as I said. One of these divisions is the mystical division. This is the one that's actually referred to by in text. And the other one is what most people regard as the practical division, which is how do we set about to use this in daily living. The true one, interestingly enough, is the mystical division. The practical division has usefulness in it, uh, in strategy, uh, and also in guiding one to do a really fundamental Taoist act, which is to listen. If you put it in simple terms, it's a matter of listen before you act. Uh, It is not a matter of take no action. Uh, And that falls uh, into what's probably the most common element of not doing, or common misinterpretation of not doing. Uh, And acceptance, uh, as we were talking about at the second tier of practice, the big problem that most people have with acceptance is that they view it as a matter of not doing anything, uh, having nothing to do with uh, Wei Wu Wei. Uh, or the doing of not doing. Uh, It's just a matter of, well, how do I accept this? Well, I accept it by being completely inactive. Well, no, acceptance is a formal action that is built into humans. You have the ability to accept things because if you don't, from an evolutionary standpoint, you die uh, because acceptance permits change. Now, listening allows you to see things as they emerge uh, so that when you do take action, it is the best and natural action as an outgrowth from that situation. Now, if we sit back and we look at it, well, how does this theoretically work? Wouldn't a human behave like this or behave like that? The truth is, is that uh, when we sit back to do practical, we make our practical decisions, we make uh, certain assumptions about human behavior. And that is, is that humans are rational and that humans are capable of making decisions uh, that are independent of their mental state or of the position that they're currently occupying 
uh, developmentally, from a spiritual development standpoint. And that's not true. Uh, you always make uh, the coloring of events that occurs is always based on the events that have come before and the mood that you're in. Uh, so if you've had a happy series of events and you're in a great mood, so you can have a happy series of events and still be in a bad mood. I'm sure everybody's had that instance. But if you have those two aligned and then a third, uh, a third event occurs and this event is horrible, what happens? Your interpretation is, well, that's just the way things are or I can overcome it or this is just one of many other events. So the way you interpret that event is dramatically different based upon what has come before. It's colored by it. Now, the other factor of that is, well, if you've had a bad string of events or, you've had, or you're in a very negative mood, when something challenging comes along, not even bad, what is your interpretation? Oh, this is the end of the world. I cannot possibly manage this event. Uh, that's coming into my life. All things must end. Uh, and so we have those elements that are in there. When we get caught up in the chain between what has come before and what is currently coming now, the before always colors the now. There is no way around that. So this event shapes this event or the interpretation of it. The fact is, is that many times the now will be strongly related or the before will be a cause of the now. Uh, but that's not always true because now events can occur for factors outside of you. Since the universe is not built for you and not driven by the desire to move you into a particular position, uh, there is not necessarily a causative relationship between before and now. As those before events could have been for entirely different people than you. Uh, the only way they can be entirely for you is that you're the most important thing in the universe. Which if you are, give me a shout later on. I've got some stuff I need done. But before and now are not necessarily related. When we introduce not doing in, in many ways, what we are doing is interrupting the automatic chain between before and now. So the response that tells us we must do this absolutely right now or we must think in this way or that we must feel in this way is not necessarily the best thing to do. And the function of not doing is to try and intrude in the automatic chain between those two events. And in fact, when you go to studying at the third level, the mind of clarity, uh, it's the intention of mind of clarity is to enforce a break between before and now uh, so that uh, you have a moment of contemplation, a moment where nothing is occurring and so you can treat the event that is unfolding as the event that's unfolding. You're not ignorant of what came before. Uh, you are simply not bound into the thoughts of what came before and so you can think something new uh, and that whole concept of thinking something new is important both for managing the big three, managing relationships, managing your resources, managing personal development and it's also important for enlightenment uh, because you're not going to come up with a new solution or a new thought to something if you are in fact thinking and doing everything that you have always done. Old behaviors do not produce new results. 
uh, 99.57% of the time, I think it is. The other point four three, the environment will periodically change while you are executing old behaviors, and as a result, uh, you will do something new. Uh, but that really had nothing to do with you. That had to do with everything changed around you when you were doing something old. Uh, and that occurs straight out. So if you want to introduce difference into your management of relationships, resources, or your personal development, you have to be willing to engage those things that allow you to think or behave in different ways. Because there really is no magic source of thought. Uh, and we talk about enlightenment, and many times enlightenment is cast into a magical vein because what you happen to have an insight about uh, can be unpredictable. It is not always unpredictable. Uh, I can tell you in later experience that if you're hunting a big insight, you know generally what it's going to be about and you know how dramatic it's going to be. And that's important because you learn to pace yourself. Uh, and instead of just randomly running into every uh, possible spiritual insight you can, you go, this one's a biggie, uh, I'm going to go get a burger uh, and not do it. Uh, and that becomes very important because you start becoming not attached to the process of insight itself and you start managing it. Because those of you that undergo uh, degrees of insight as you pass through are going to find out something very interesting. Your body changes and your personality changes uh, because insight does not occur in an independent little jar. Insight is a product of who you are as a thing within the universe uh, and so it is that overall thingness uh, that experiences and creates the insight uh, as you go along. Now uh, unless, and we've talked about this, the key for moving the concept of of Ness, what constitutes you, what you recognize as being yourself around. The reason that you do that is so that from a spiritual standpoint you have the opportunity for enlightenment. Because unless you are realistically at a position where you can have the thoughts that lead to enlightenment right now, you are not going to be enlightened right now. Your objective is to move yourself into a place where those behaviors allow you to do that. Now, if you have a non-enlightenment uh, goal, the same rules apply because it's the same human system. So if you want to uh, make a million dollars next month, you're going to have to come up with the behaviors that allow you to make a million dollars next month. Uh, and very clearly, uh, people that are capable of generating uh, huge wealth have a set of behaviors which are wealth behaviors. So if you strip them of all their revenue, they will in fact generate revenue. Uh, and a lot of other people look at that and go, oh, that's magic. Well, no, it's a behavioral set. And the same thing applies. You have people that are extremely successful at the relationships that they form or are capable of forming broad networks of people, if that's their goal. But you take that same person, you dump them into an entirely new environment where they don't know anybody, you guess what? They're going to have the same exact thing inside of about 90 days. Uh, and that's because Whatever behavior set that you have creates the same things. Uh, if you want different things, then you have to adjust the behavior set. Uh, because there really isn't, I mean, there's always going to be somebody that's going to win the lottery for spirituality or relationships or uh, revenue uh, or any other resource you want to look at. But you can't count on it. Uh, 
you can't sit back and go, you know, my best guess at this is I'm just going to play this ticket. Uh, and you hand it on in. Somebody somewhere will win it. Uh, if you're that person, again, see me at the end of class. Uh, if you're not that person, uh, then you have to do the work. And unfortunately, while I personally have won a lottery now and then uh, with regards to some of the things that I uh, practice, I have been completely unfortunate in every other aspect in that I only have exactly what I have created, uh, nothing else, uh, almost to an extent that's ludicrous at times. Uh, and uh, my teacher had various comments about that too. And, and his initial comment was, well, you've just been extremely lucky about these things. Wait until it turns. And, and he was right. When it turned, it became a matter of like, oh, now I just have to be good. Uh, and that became a whole different thing. So not doing creates that interruption between before and now. And that gives you the opportunity to act in ways that you haven't acted before. It also allows you to do something else. The vast majority of situations that we're in are not so difficult that they cannot be solved easily. Uh, they are also not so difficult, for example, in conflict, which is where not doing is oftentimes applied in a martial perspective. Uh, most opponents are not so great that if you aren't able to... Okay, how do I word this? Very few opponents are so great that the opposition actually comes from the opponent. Almost always when somebody presents you with opposition, it is your internal opposition that will stop you. It is not going to be the opposition of your opponent. Very few people are so good that no matter what you do, you're going to lose. Very few. Because that means that that person has to achieve a degree of self-mastery where they are not stopping themselves. If you gain the ability to listen and not do, you will see vulnerability where no one else sees it, where they don't see it. And it will not be a strain of your brain to sit back and go, oh, where's the uh, uh, seems uh. It is automatic. You recognize the opportunity as you go along. So even in situations where you are physically inferior, if we want to take, oftentimes I use combat analogies because combat's easier to understand than spiritual development in reality. Uh, the stakes are, are straightforward, the exchange is straightforward. Uh, and so it's a very easy environment uh, to sit back and look at things uh, compared to spiritual development, which is usually a big muddy field of like, you know, well, how did this work? Or what choice went into this? Or it's like there's few things greater in simplicity than a good swift punch in the head uh, to tell you that, yeah, I guess that didn't work. Uh, and whereas the same punch in the head from the universe, uh, you know, you can sit back and go, I guess it didn't work, but usually there's all sorts of garbage that comes along with something not working when it comes from the universe. The, uh, uh, so when we sit back, that opportunity to move uh, becomes larger and larger. And the reason that that is, is without the attachment between before and now, what you are seeing is not colored by the huge baggage of before. Uh, so you're not sitting there going, well, you know, there's this and this and this, and then I have to worry about this and what's happening over here and uh, all those other things. And uh, you just discard it. And you simply allow events to unfold. And when it is time to act, you act. You act automatically. If you miss your time of action, you'll see that too because you're human. Uh, and humans miss opportunity all the time. 
but again, most situations are not so demanding that you can't afford to miss. Uh, it is very rare that you will face an opponent or a situation that does not have more than one opportunity, uh, that does not give you the ability to do one thing, or more than one thing. Uh, the and that really, in some ways, you know, I've talked about adept practice or what marks an adept or an extremely high-level practitioner of the old Taoist arts. And one of the things is, is that they can respond in situations where there are only just a couple opportunities, maybe only one opportunity. And where if you do anything else or anything out of sequence or anything out of time, everything collapses. It's extremely rare that the necessity of that ever exists. Uh, if you are living within the world and doing mortal things, such things are such control is for the most part completely unnecessary. Uh, if you do develop such an ability, if you do develop the ability to finally read the direction of events, uh, then things will start to become simple. And usually, when a risky thing is going to occur to you, you see it a long way off. To other people, that's going to be a matter of some sort of magic skill. But it's not a magic skill. You just saw it coming a long way off. And the reason? You weren't bound into the small events. If you sit back and look at the big failures of your life, no matter what they happen to be, whether they're based on resource, whether they're based on relationships, whether they're based on uh, the failure of your ability to pursue spiritual development, you knew the event was coming long before the event was coming. Did you have a magic power that told you that? No. You had many things that were getting in the way, keeping you from seeing that event coming. Uh, and why does that exist? Well, part of it can be it can be tough to stare into a, a locomotive coming down the track, knowing that your opportunity to move is only only going to be in the last 30 seconds. You have nothing else that you can possibly do to change the course. All you have is a little interval, and you have to wait for it. You have to sit there, you have to drink your cup of tea, eat a cheese sandwich, pet a dog, and then at the very last minute, move when it is time to move. Uh, and so our inability to see may be consciously trained. Do I know that for sure? No. But I've seen many, many people run exactly from what they knew what was coming uh, without any problem at all. And that running behavior, even though it will absolutely create failure, creates comfort. And for example, one of the big things that people have to learn in match exchanges in Kung Fu, uh, especially the teens, is not to run. Uh, like not to run away. Because as soon as you do, the train's in control now. Uh, it's just going to roll you over. Uh, so it's just a matter before they pin you in the corner and they start beating you relentlessly. Uh, and which is a lesson that I point out on a semi-regular basis by pinning somebody in the corner and beating them relentlessly after they've turned and run. Uh, and the necessity of that is because it's a life lesson. The ignoring the problem or failing to use the vision that you have is a guarantee, almost certain guarantee of failure. But again, most situations are not a locomotive on a train track. You know, it's kind of a locomotive. It's moving around over there. It's headed in your general direction, and you're going. You know, there's a good probability that it's going to be over here at some point. Uh, and a lot of times, for most of our problems, the locomotive actually sends you a little telegram and says, hey, uh, we're going to be using that track. If you want to get off sometime, you can do that. Uh, and then you have to actually go, I have to get off. Uh, but that would require you to do something different 
Uh, and that's always the thing that's probably the underlying stopping point for that. Hello, this is Master Michael Steenrod with Living the Tao. I wanted to thank you for signing up for our monthly episode. I hope that it aids you on the path to spiritual freedom or just living each day a little bit better and happier. If you are so moved, I wanted to encourage you to sign up for our premium program. The big difference between it and the monthly plan is that the premium program provides one episode per week rather than per month. Your funds go to supporting the staff and crew of Water Mountain because everybody has to eat and live. And you're spending money on something good and contributing those funds to the growth of good within the world. Of course, you can cancel at any time. To subscribe to the weekly, you can visit the thedaoismforthemodernworld.com and click podcast. Or depending on how you are enjoying this episode, you can click on the link in the episode description. I hope you enjoy your journey. This has been Master Michael Steenrod. Thank you. The reason that not doing is a natural outgrowth of meditation isn't because of the absolute requirement of meditation. It's because meditation interrupts the link between before and now most easily. Other things can do it. So a lot of times the advice that I give or the practices that I repeat are about taking the easiest possible pathway to get to success. It's not that it can't be done some other way. It's that, you know, you're doing a triple backflip and like spitting a mouthful of water into a shot glass 50 feet away and, uh, you know, riding a pelican with one foot. Uh, and when the assignment was uh, put book on chair, uh, it's like, well, yeah, you see, to put the book on chair, you lift up the book and you put it on the chair. I'm generally not going to give the pelican riding instructions to people. Or you could do it this way. Ride the pelican backwards, blow in a flute. You know. uh, genetically engineer a dragon. Now, fight dragon. Uh, most of those efforts uh, become largely unnecessary. So from that's the underlying uh, reason of what not doing is. From a practical standpoint, most people look at not doing as an element of strategy, of basically not learning to not take action or not expend resources. And, uh, and then taking action uh, to the extent that it's necessary. But that automatically occurs. Uh, now if you do it intellectually, it can certainly be done intellectually, and I do it intellectually all the time. Uh, but that's only a very small portion of what not doing refers to. Uh, the other thing is, is that if you achieve a degree of interaction or balance with the, the Tao itself. If you manage to step outside of the karmic nursery and interact with the Tao, problems will magically solve themselves. Uh, you will have to do absolutely nothing. Your action when faced with a great difficulty is simply to meditate. Uh, and the things that occur will be a direct result of the amount of karma that you have accumulated and the degree to which you have blended yourself with the Tao. Uh, when those two things are there, many problems simply resolve themselves. Like you'll sit back and go, I can't possibly see how this is going to handle itself. My solution is to meditate. And so you meditate and then you come back out and suddenly magic news has been delivered to you. You know that thing? It's just done. Uh, and that's exactly how it works. Uh, things are magically accomplished. And I use magic as a term to uh, you know, 
account for what's actually a huge block of theory that we could spend quite a bit of time talking about. But action and coordination with the DAO itself allows you to exist with greater ease within your life. It will not remove difficulty uh, completely. It will remove many difficulties. And the reason for that is the DAO does not care whether your life is difficult or easy. So you might as well make your life easy. Uh, it is a conscious series of choices that lead to life being difficult. It is a conscious series of choices that lead to life being easy. Uh, the great mistake, probably in monkly interpretation of not doing when it comes to the mystical elements, is that they assume that, well, all difficulty will be removed completely. The problem with that is that they have placed themselves in the position of being the most important thing within the universe. You're not. And that's always something to keep in mind. Uh, always as you sit back, always as you do whatever practice comes along, the universe, in fact, does not care. Uh, and that can be a harsh thought to have. Now, it's not against you either. Uh, and that's the other thing to keep in mind. And it's just as easy for everything to be easy as it is to be hard. It does not care. That's what care, not caring means. It is completely equal in its treatment. Uh, and now, if something else comes along, like there's a snail that for some reason in the course of events must absolutely cross across a path, and you're walking on that path, unless you have huge karma, and the only way to stop you is to have you drop dead from a heart attack, guess what? You're going to drop dead from a heart attack or a meteor is going to fall out of the sky and crush you, or a tiger is going to escape from a zoo three hours ago, leap out at that time, and drag you off the path and eat you, because you are not the most important thing. Uh, the snail can be just as easily important. Uh, it can also live a life of complete ease, or it can live a life of struggle. Uh, it has to choose it from its snailness as to what course is going to come about. So in part, the way we live our life within the, the balance of things is a matter of, well, if you create acceptance for yourself or you create the not doing, you start eliminating artificial expectation. Like, I need to be this way. I need to do this thing over here. I need to have this thing done there. And there's a basic, uh, there's a basic Taoist question, and you can ask this of yourselves too since you're looking at the practice, and that is, what would I do if I had no goals? Like if I completely eliminated every goal I had, what would I do? If this were not a stated goal, what would I undertake at this time? Are you capable of action in that time? And the truth is, you are capable of action in that time. It's just not going to be the type of action you would do at any other time. And so when you eliminate that series of goals, uh, that bind you, some of which are good, some of which are horrible, and I'm not suggesting you should be goalless. I'm suggesting that you should explore the strength or the insight that comes from not having a goal. And the reason that this becomes a necessity is that the goal set that you have came from the social mind. Uh, there's no way around it. Uh, it was developed out of social mind experiences. It was developed to achieve social mind things. And so the only way to stop it is to just not have it. Uh, and so if you abandon that goal set for a period of time, you start to see new possibilities. You also start to sit back and as you're doing, you're not doing, and this truly is the realm of not doing now, you begin to realize that 
well, in some ways I kind of have to negotiate my way down the path because I may encounter super snail. And super snail might want something. And so now I must bargain with super snail as we come along. Uh, that bargain can be very quick, it can be very easy. Uh, it also means that in the whole process of bargaining, what is there? There is the thought of if you don't stand for yourself, nobody else will stand for you. Uh, the bargain will go against you. Not because the thing is inherently out to get you, but because you didn't defend your position. Uh, and so many times the monkly error uh, is a matter of, well, we'll be completely cared for, everything will go in my favor. It's like, uh, you need to examine the rules of the universe here just for a moment. Uh, it will not, it will oftentimes go in your favor simply because you have achieved harmony. Uh, and because of that harmony, the not doing will oftentimes favor you because most of what we do is in a wide open field. It doesn't matter where you go. But now and then, it really, really matters. Uh, and if you see something as it unfolds that it really, really matters and you learn at the very least to not get in its way, uh, you will avoid a great deal of calamity. Usually the thing that moves you against the balance of things are, is the goal set that came from the social mind. Uh, and because those goals in reality don't have anything to do with you or with anything that would benefit you. Uh, they were given to you and you followed them. Uh, they benefit something else. Uh, whatever that happens to be, I don't know. Uh, but they obviously are designed for some other purpose than your personal happiness, your insight, or your resources. So why do you follow them? Uh, and if you uh, continue to follow them, so if we pursue this pathway, it places you directly against many times the balance that is supposed to be there. And that's okay from the social mind perspective because something has to be destroyed. It doesn't matter if it's you. It doesn't matter to the goal set. Uh, anything can be destroyed. Uh, nothing is so important that it cannot be removed. Uh, and uh, that becomes a significant area of challenge. Now, as you start to abandon that goal, it's really interesting or it's really easy to simply live in a way where you go completely with the flow of things. But remember, the flow can lead over a waterfall, it can lead you across crushing rocks, it can lead you anywhere. Then the flow is created by a lot of other things than you. And you have to be careful to preserve yourself in that process if you want to remain alive. Now, sometimes the flow of things can be so addictive uh, that you just want to dwell there all the time. Because you really are truly, during that time, you achieve complete not doing. You are in harmony with the flow of the universe. But remember, you are not the most important thing in the universe. There could be a huge fish, I'm making something up, with big teeth at the end of the flow. And the flow is in fact for the fish. Uh, and it's just going to eat you as you flow up and into its mouth. Uh, it will close it, you will digest yourself for its good, uh, and then you'll be done. Uh, and that can be very easily turned uh, against you because, again, not the most important thing. Uh, and so we have to watch. Uh, we have to examine the flow. Because of all the creatures, we have the ability most to make the manipulation of that flow as we need to. So do you swim up the river? Well, no. Uh, swimming up the river is largely going to be a waste of time and the flow is vastly stronger than you. Do you take a few strokes in this direction or in that direction to move out of the way of things? Yes. 
Every once in a while do you absolutely insist that you go in a certain direction for a short period of time? Yes, if you have achieved enough swimming skill, you can do that. You can make an absolute insistence that this thing be done. And the reason you can do that is it's okay to do that. There is no rule that prevents you from insisting on something. Now, what can prevent you is something else insisting that it not be that way. Uh, and then it's a contest of karma. Uh, and so, but again, we're looking at times of radical turning, uh, times where the events are very, very sharp, and you're sitting back going, you know, what do I do now? But the fact is, is that if religion or any spiritual system only works when things are good, you might want to sign up for another religious system uh, because things are not always going to be good. Uh, things are going to create challenge. Uh, things are going to sit back and you're going to go, okay, what just happened now? Why did suddenly everything turn horrible? Or why did suddenly everything do this? Usually what you're going to find out is, again, you did get the note from the train. Uh, you got a follow-up notice. You got a phone call. Uh, you know, It flashed you in semaphore saying, hey, hey, why don't you try to move now? Hey. Uh, you got tons of warnings, but... If you were strongly connected in the relationship between before and now, you could have ignored all those factors. You didn't bother to look at the mail. You didn't answer your phone. You turned away when it was flashing semaphore, when it was shouting. You went, <sighs> so you completely ignored every sign and symptom that was coming down through. Now, occasionally, you will just get hit by a meteor from the sky. But again, that's the rarity of it. For the most part, you will not encounter situations that are so difficult there is no way out, or that are so difficult uh, you cannot respond, or that are so difficult you cannot afford to make an error. But you will encounter them now and then. The important part of that is to sit back and go, you should know when the stakes are so tight that you could easily fail. And that's important to know in part because it keeps you from getting caught up in the failure. Uh, and it's, it's easy to sit back and simply say that, uh, well, you know, if this occurs, I'm not going to get caught up in it. But the truth is, unless you've prepared for it and it's something that you significantly cared about or pursued, uh, when the failure comes, even if you are sitting back going, well, there's a likelihood of failure, blah, 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 uh, it can be difficult to overcome or to change. On the other hand, if you have complete knowledge of exactly how difficult it is, you know, I have a 1 in 100,000 chance of flipping this match through this air, having it ride on a penny, and then do a backflip over a cricket into the shot glass. Uh, when you fail at it, it's not so bad. You knew how tough it was when you were going in. Uh, but if you didn't know how tough it was going in, and you had the thought of, well, anybody should be able to do this, well, in all likelihood, nobody can do that. You're just setting out to do something impossible. If you do everything exactly correct and you have a huge amount of karma, you can pull off completely impossible things where people just sit back and go, how was that done? Well, don't ask me to do it again. Uh, I don't think I can. So the mystical balance of not doing is that the harmony itself uh, allows the Tao to take care of many problems before they emerge. And sometimes the other element of it is, and this actually applies to last month's lecture on the I Ching responses, a lot of times we have the thought that 
success is going to be like this. So if we have a big ruler, success is a nice straight line from 0 to 1 as we go along. The truth is, if anything that you're pursuing is even remotely complex or even remotely distant, the pathway to get there is going to be like this. And oftentimes, if there's a really strong attachment between before and now, if you have a really strong attachment to the goal, whenever there is even a small shift off this straight line, even though the straight line can never exist for this particular situation, let's call this situation random situation P, uh, so it turns out that you want to drive over the mountain, so your thought is, I'm just going to drive straight over the mountain. There's no road there, but I'm going to drive over the mountain. And it turns out the only way to get there is to follow this road here. You're vastly disappointed because you really wanted to drive over the mountain this way, despite this actually being the pathway there. If you're really strongly bound into each step of how you think something is going to occur, then you create disappointment for yourself and you also create failure because as soon as you start veering off you, it veers off a little bit and you go oh I'm failing now I need to stop the truth how many things have been accomplished that are difficult that were a perfect straight line and did not encounter any sort of difficulty between the origin and the goal nothing the only time that you accomplish that is when what you're doing is really very simple so Right, if I get up and I walk from this board to the chair, I have a relatively straight pathway. If I start walking to the chair and suddenly the chair starts to move, this is an unusual situation. <laughs> One that I might want to sit back and go, huh. Or if I start walking towards the chair but the distance doesn't actually close, or if I end up over here and I try to walk towards it again and I end up over here. These are all indicators of a highly abnormal process, some place where I can sit back and just expect that yes, I can move my butt to the chair. There shouldn't be a great deal of difficulty in doing this. Now if I want to sit over there in a chair and I set out to sit there, there is in fact no chair there. A whole series of processes have to go into putting a chair in that spot or creating this chair from various chair elements uh, that allow the chair to be there. That's going to be a much more difficult journey. Other factors can intrude. Somebody else could want that chair before I got there and take it. Uh, somebody else could move the chair to another spot because they had another chair agenda. Uh, whatever ha it happened to be. There are all sorts of things that can occur just because of the separation, the distance between your origin point and your end point. The I Ching studies those interactions. Uh, what is the difference? What is the space actually going to be like? how should you respond to that space between one and the other. The big thing you shouldn't do is be so bound into your path that you're going to sit back and say, this is going to be a simple little ride. Uh, it had better be a simple little ride. Uh, and by that, I mean it should be so, something so simple like I'm going to take this, this fork full of food from the plate and put it in my mouth. Even then, that periodically fails. You know, something will intervene in the course of events and keep that from occurring. Uh, now, does that happen most of the time? No. Most of the time, the solution is straightforward. Now, if your thought is, well, 
three months from now, I'm going to host a large dinner party. We're going to feast on whale steaks. Uh, I better order up some whale steaks to be delivered on that day. All sorts of things can occur between that time and the whale steak dinner that will prevent it from occurring, primarily being the smuggling of whale steaks. Uh, all sorts of things can interfere. Uh, and so before you create an a, uh, expectation for a goal, you have to sit back and analyze or really think about how difficult is this goal going to be. If the goal starts being difficult, you need to ins pull yourself back to a certain extent and go, well, what's in fact going on here? So if my chair starts to magically get farther away from me as I'm moving from here to there, my response is basically, do I actually want to sit in that chair? And what's occurring that's causing this chair to move away? And so I will begin examining the course of events. I will move away from my goal of chair sitting for a period of time because obviously something has occurred and I need to sit back and take in what has occurred. I need to listen to the course of events, I need to watch them unfold and perhaps I need to test them out to see what's going to happen. We can do the same thing in any of our major human concerns. We can do it within resources, we can do it within relationships and we can do it within personal development. And you can simply sit back and go, well, this should have been simple. Why is this suddenly occurring here and here and here? Is it because this is always the nature of such a pathway? Uh, nothing can ever be done about it? And it could be that. It could be that the, twi the road around the mountain is always twisty. Uh, you could perhaps make it straight, but is it worth the effort of making a straight road over the mountain? Or do you just want to take the twisty road and make sure that you can get on the other side? Uh, if it's the twisty road, then you need to change your thinking so that you can embrace twisty road qualities and follow it along. It's like, oh, now I'm looping back. I'm getting farther away. Well, that's because the road goes back farther away and then comes around this way and then goes over here and then moves through. So you can sit back. You can always create the expectation that the line should be straight, but the line may or may not be straight. And the farther you are from your goal, the less likely that line is straight and the more challenges you're going to face as you come along. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast. Remember, you can find much more on Taoism at thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Thank you.